and welcome to the Can Do MS podcast. My name is Rachel Lottie, and I'm the program's coordinator for Can Do Multiple Sclerosis. We're excited for today's podcast, which is the second episode in our three-part Embracing Carer series, focusing on those supporting a loved one with MS. Today, we have three guests joining us, psychologist Megan Beyer, physical therapist Mandy Rorig, and support partner Malcolm Newton, whose wife Mary is living with MS. Megan, Mandy, and Malcolm are going to discuss how support partners often neglect their emotional and physical well-being to care for their partner with MS. Malcolm will share some real-life stories, barriers to prioritizing his health, and how he maintains his own individuality while caring for his wife. And once again, I'd like to introduce Megan to kick off our discussion. Megan, please take it away. Thanks, Rachel. It's great to be back today to discuss the challenges support partners face when it comes to prioritizing their own health and maintaining their own sense of individuality. This is a really important topic because um, 40 to 70% of family members report clinically significant symptoms of depression, and up to 35% of support partners report that their health has declined as a result of care-providing responsibilities. Additionally, we know that support partners are more likely to report a decline in their own overall health if the person they care for has an emotional or a mental health problem. More positively, though, there's been a great expanse in the research on effective interventions for support partners and loved ones. There are now a number of empirically supported and validated resources that can help support partners from things like online support groups to online educational courses and even interventions developed for working with an individual or family therapist. We also have physical therapist Mandy with us today to talk about prioritizing physical well-being. Welcome, Mandy. Thank you, Megan. I'm really, really excited here to, to be here today to make sure that support partners are physically taking care of themselves just as much as their loved ones with MS. I am a physical therapist from Omaha, Nebraska, where I work in an outpatient physical therapy setting where I specialize in working with people with MS and their loved ones, as well as individuals who have balance or vestibular disorders. Just as Can Do MS emphasizes care for the person with MS, we also emphasize a lot of self-care and self-prioritization for the individual who's supporting them as well. As an organization, we believe that both people are living with MS, just in distinctly different ways. So physical health and physical wellness for the support partner may include primary care visits. It may include smoking cessation cessation interventions might include weight management or preventative care, such as mammograms or immunizations, making sure your blood pressure or your cholesterol is being monitored closely, and of course, my favorite, exercise. But more specific to MS, the support partner physical health may also include simply learning proper transfer techniques to help prevent injury or maybe encouraging the loved one who has MS to use an assistive device so as to ease the burden of the caregiver. So support partners, caregivers, loved ones, whichever label you prefer, they're often selfless. They are people who prioritize their partner's physical health, often over their own, making certain that they get to their doctor's visits and their physical therapy appointments or their exercise classes, 
but rarely carve out that time for their own physical health. And that's why all of us are talking here today. So Megan, would you please tell us about our guest who's joining us on this podcast? Absolutely. So today we're going to be speaking with Malcolm Newton. We're going to hear about him and his wife, Mary's story, and the challenges he's faced in taking care of himself. Welcome, Malcolm. Uh, will you please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you met your wife, Mary? Sure. Uh, I'm, we're both from Atlanta, Georgia, and I work in the healthcare industry. Uh, I'm a salesman, but also run a couple of little healthcare companies that I've started with different partners. My wife, Mary, and I actually met in carpool when we were five years old in kindergarten, and we went to uh, elementary, junior high, and high school all together for all 13 years. Wow. And uh, we've been married for 27 years and together, actually dating before that about six years. What activities do you and Mary do now that keep you connected? A lot of the things that we do now are uh, not too physically demanding. We've started to watch different shows on Netflix and Amazon. We also do some fair amount of card playing, which uh, is a feat in itself because I was not a good card player when I started off. And and I didn't really like playing cards, but um, it's got to be something that we do together. We do a small bit of of traveling, although that's gotten... um, a lot more difficult in the past five years um, as she's had some, she's got some vestibular issues as well. And we keep up with our daughter who's 22 and living in New York um, and trying to be a professional dancer. Um, Do you remember your reaction when Mary was first diagnosed with MS? It was December 26th at eight o'clock in the morning that uh, my wife's primary care doctor called us, woke us up and said, Hey, you know what? After some of these tests we've run, I think I want you to see a specialist. Um, in a worst-case scenario, it could be NS, which which led to a great you know rest of our Christmas vacation. Uh, and then a, a very good, trusted friend of mine who was in Harvard Medical School at the time, he and I were talking, um, and Mary was there. And I was describing the symptoms that she was going through. And without knowing what was going on, he said, gosh, that sounds like MS to me. On our way home from that lunch, um, my reaction was was not the bravest. Um, I remember that to this day. But that was, again, that was a long time ago. Then there was another doctor's visit, you know, two or three weeks later. And the guy said, oh, no, it's not MS, which was a huge relief. And then we had, she had another relapse, I guess, in three or four months later. Uh, and so it kind of came more and more obvious to us that it obviously was MS. And then later that summer, we had finally gotten to a very good doctor here in Atlanta. And he told us, yep, it's MS. So, um, but I had a couple of not too brave reactions back in the day. We had only been married for two years. I was, I think I was 28. um, And the prospect of having a wife that had MS or a partner that had, had MS what was very scary, so I wasn't, uh, I didn't put on the big, the bravest face. I'm sure many people can relate to those feelings of fear. Um, how long has Mary been living with MS at this point? 25 years. 25 years, okay. And um, what are the things that you support her with at this point, either emotionally, physically, cognitively? On one hand, it doesn't seem like a lot, but I think, uh, I think if I, 
I describe it, it would sound like a lot because uh, I do the cooking and the cleaning and the shopping, although we've gotten some folks to help us a little bit with the shopping and bring groceries, groceries over. We're not to the point where I've, I've got to physically totally help her get dressed. She can still drive. She can get in the car and go see her parents uh, who are in assisted living place. But I, I try to help her with getting to the car because she, she needs her scooter. Uh, and that's kind of heavy to get in the car. So I take it down and put it in the car. And sometimes I'll take her over there. But um, the, the list is long. Trying to keep the house or the apartment straight. Uh, I walk the dog, help her in and out of the shower uh, so she doesn't fall. She's trying a new MS exercise program, and she needs spotting, so I'm making sure I'm doing that. But but it, obviously it has built up over the last 25 years to where you know, I'm really just adding one more thing, and so now it does seem to take up quite a bit of time, but that, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to turn it over to Mandy to see what questions she has for you in terms of a physical therapy perspective. Malcolm, I'm just curious. It sounds like you provide a lot of loving assistance to your wife, and I suspect right now it's, it's somewhat instinctive, given that she's had MS for 25 years. Can you just tell us a little bit about some of the struggles and successes as you transitioned to this greater need for her to have assistance? Well, she's a very determined individual, um, always has been. And I am, I guess, uh, I hate to say it, naturally kind of a caregiver uh, for my 53 years of existence. Um, that's kind of what I do, I guess. Um, and so I've probably overstepped my bounds too soon. She's probably tried to hold me off for too long. So where um so so we had some struggles there where I didn't let her fall, I guess. And you can put the fall in quotes sometimes, or sometimes it's it's literally fall. Uh well I'm not gonna sit there and watch her fall, but I, I didn't let her sometimes try when she could have still tried. Um and she would have to tell me, Hey, I, I can still do this, back off and I would do it, but I would back off and I would still try to be within arm's length or I would try to just try to be there in case she did fall. Um, but those were some of the struggles that we had through the first, uh, you know, 15 years, in particular the last five years, it's, it's gotten to the point where some of her resistance to me helping has just uh, gone away because there have been some, some serious falls that have hurt and have scared her. And so she's gone really five years ago. It was kind of cane, possibly uh, walking and then kind of cane, walking cane, maybe to where it's, it's either cane, walker or scooter now um, almost all the time. So was it challenging to to learn each other's cues or to kind of define those boundaries that were certainly always changing, right? Like one day she needs help with one task and then the next day she may or may not need help with that task. How did you two work through that communication? We we saw her parents have an issue where they they were trying to take a casserole to a friend um, who was sick and her parents are obviously older and 
the last thing they needed to be doing was to be taking a casserole to a friend. And <laughs> Mary's mom fell and grabbed Mary's dad, pulled him down. There were injuries and all kind of things happened. And, and that escalated everybody in the family is trying to help them. Um, and so Mary and I had a discussion and I had a talk and said, we don't need to get there because of you know, pride or determination. We need to make sure that we're careful so that we don't make things harder on ourselves than they already are. Malcolm, I feel like you very lovely illustrated how it's often important for couples to consider use of assistive devices and tools and ways to help themselves physically to keep them safer and how sometimes using those types of tools aren't just benefiting the person living with MS, right? They're benefiting both of you. So shifting gears a little bit, Malcolm, is, do you feel your medical health is a priority? Do you, do you participate in regular doctor's visits and checkups? No. <laughs> just to be blunt and honest, um, I'm not a big – I just don't do that at the moment. Um, I know I should. I know it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, for me not to, but it's not a priority. Um, my day is focused on working, trying to make money, taking care of her, uh, and, do, and doing little whatever little exercise I can uh, for myself. So it sounds like the barriers for you to, to participate in regular preventative health care, regular doctor's visits are time and caregiving responsibilities. I went and I found out, hey, I've got something going on. You know, that might be the straw that breaks the camel's back. There's just a reluctance to, to go do that, uh, number one. And number two, there's also a little thought in my mind, well, I'm pretty healthy. So you mentioned that you exercise. Can you tell us a little bit about what exercise you do? We've got a group of good friends, and we do we play as much basketball as we can, a bunch of old man basketball. Um, <laughs> and we do a, a lot of it on the weekends. Um, Saturday and Sunday, and, and then during the week, I, I try to um, do some weight training at night. Uh, once I get kind of married, set up after dinner and that kind of stuff, and, and if I can go down to the little weight room at, at our apartment, I'll go down there. Uh, and that's it's not hit or miss. There are times when it's it's good and easy, and I make sure that I go do it. Um, but then there are other times where I just I, uh, I get too busy. But um, currently, right now, I am doing a good job of, of all of that. I'm doing some weight training, and then I'm playing basketball as much as I can, much as my old knees will let me. How do you manage to find that time to exercise when you've listed all the things that you have to do in, in a regular day? Do you just say, hey, Mary, I'm going, I'm going to go and I'm going to exercise. This is my time. Does she know that? Do you communicate that to her? How do you... How do you manage that? She's on board with that as well. I've been playing basketball for about 10 or 15 years, or actually 15 years at least. And it got to the point where if there was nothing important that had to be done on Sunday afternoon, but but for some reason, hey, I don't want you to go, or hey, let, let's go shopping, or hey, let's do this, she would notice, and I would notice too, that I would get very, very grumpy toward the end of the afternoon saying, you know, my mind would be racing, hey, I need to go get this exercise, this release, uh, although I wouldn't say it sometimes. But but we did come to an agreement that, you know, Sunday afternoon, if it's not life-threatening, 
we're carving that out for me to go play basketball. She understands that that I need to get out from time to time and just let off some steam or get the positive energy flowing or, or whatever it is that happens when I, you know, when people exercise. That's great. So it sounds like you and Mary have developed a, a routine over the years that has allowed you to, to carve out that time and, and you've communicated that together and made it very clear that that's something that's important to you. So, Megan, in addition to physical health, can you tell us a little bit about um, the, why emotional health is a priority and the opportunity for, for Malcolm to give us some of his insight as well? So I just wanted to follow up a little bit on what you were just saying, Malcolm, is that exercise to you seems at least one way that you're managing your emotional health. Is emotional health a priority? And in what ways do you cope with the frustrations that come along with um, just all the day-to-day things that you have to do and then also having MS as part of your life as well? It's not a priority. Just kind of like my my physical health is... is, (laughs) I will be honest, and I have noticed there are times when things get get more difficult or uh, darker, uh, I guess is the word, um, or, you know, if you have to be going through a, a relapse. I tend to uh, be more angry at things, you know, driving around the city and people, you know, cut me off or they're not fast enough off the red light. Um, I am a little or a lot more uh, impatient. Again, by doing just a little bit of exercise during the days really does help with that. And then I've got got a friend or two that uh, things get kind of rough. I can call them up and we can go to lunch uh, and just kind of have a session where I download everything and say, hey, here's why things are kind of crappy right now. There are folks that will listen and and, and then if things get really crappy, there are folks that will step up and, and um, step in and try to help out. It, it's a struggle. There's no question about it. It sounds like you are managing those symptoms in some ways through your um, through exercise, and then you have a friend who's a really good support system. If you were making it a priority, not saying that you have to, but if you were making it a priority, what would look different? You get involved in a group session. Um, I'm, I'm actually physically pretty close to some some places that uh, have some support groups. Um, that would look, I could probably do that once a month, but have not done that. Could possibly go talk to somebody, you know, once a week, twice a month kind of deal. We've done those kind of things before. I've done those kind of things before, and they have proven to be a little bit helpful. Somebody wrote in here in one of these things that, hey, MS is not cheap. Uh, neither are those things. So um, trying to juggle it all, that, that's just something that I think, okay, well, maybe I could do that later. And then it just never happens. It's also hard to fit those things in when you have so many other things going on. You know, making a priority list and figuring out, you know, prioritizing all of the things that are going on and all the things you could be doing and you know, figure out what's most important now and maybe what are things you could do in the future. Have a support system outside of that one friend that you described? He's involved in my basketball group, and we got about eight guys. 
they're all they're all pretty supportive, very supportive. Uh, I, I could put out a call, hey, I need X, Y, and Z, and it would show up. It's not just limited to that basketball group, actually. Once a year, we go off on a weekend with a group of folks. There are about 10 couples. We, we put out the call before, hey, you know, need some, need somebody to help us bring in groceries over or need somebody to help get married to her therapy uh, at Shepherd Center. Um, and some of the folks have really stepped up. We do have a, a, we've got a good support system. And what kind of hobbies do you have individually outside of your basketball group? Work and take care of Mary and basketball are the things that I do in, in basketball, the things that I look forward to. My daughter laughs at me. She says, within the first two minutes of introducing myself to somebody new, she says, hey, I'm Malcolm Newton. My wife has MS. Thank you so much for answering all of our questions and answering them honestly and open, openly and describing both the positive aspects and the things that maybe you'd like to continue working on. Uh, but I'd like to kind of turn it over to Mandy to see if she has any final questions for you. Malcolm, you sound like a wonderful support partner and an amazing person. We appreciate your time and your honesty with this conversation. We just want to ask you any advice or final thoughts you would have or that you would offer to others in this role of a support partner that may help them improve or optimize their, their own physical health. You got to get out and make time for yourself uh, because that sometimes is the only time that it's it's not front and center in your brain. For instance, if, if and I don't know why I do this, if I go to the grocery store and get something, something in me makes me feel like I need to hustle and get back. Although we're not there, we're not at that point, but there's just some kind of little bit of anxiety in me that hey, I've got the I've got to get all this stuff and I got to find it and I got to get home. Tomorrow I'm supposed to go on a business trip to South Georgia. Uh, I'm going to be thinking about getting back home and what's going on at home most of the time. Once I'm done with my meeting, I'm going to be hustling home. When I get home, everything will be fine, but there will be that anxiety. But when I'm out doing my basketball or my weight training or, or something athletic or physical, I always, it's, it's remarkable that when I'm done and I start walking to my car, I remember, oh, okay, well, now what do I need to do for Mary? But it, and it also, I'm also reminded, hey, wow, for that hour and a half, I wasn't thinking about, do I need to go to the grocery store? What are we doing this afternoon? What do I need to do? Do I need to wash clothes uh, or, or whatever? Again, the activity gives my brain the hour, hour and a half of where it's not front and center. And it's 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 needed and refreshing, I will say. Wonderful. Thank you. Megan, do you have any uh, final questions for Malcolm? What final thoughts do you have for others who are new support partners or somebody who just found out their partner is, um, was diagnosed with MS? We were in the CANDU MS program again in March. A lot of folks were newly diagnosed. And they were talking, hey, this, you know, it's not all that bad. And my wife can still work. My husband can do this. My partner can do that. Things are going good. I held back because we were, we had been starting into, you know, this last five year period where things started to go, kind of go from relapsing, remitting to secondary progressive, where it's really, gosh, it's that slow decline and there's no 
real proven total way to stop it or slow it, even though we're trying with medication. Number one, I want to say, get with your doctor and make sure you're t taking all the steps you can. Well, let me follow up with one um, follow-up question to that. What do you wish you had known as a support partner? Um, what would have made this journey easier for you uh, if, if you had known it at the beginning? There will be, you know, good times still, uh, and there will be relapses, and there will be uh, times when, when things are, you know, still kind of okay. Take advantage of those times that are still okay. Maybe just take it one day at a time, but also plan for the future and in, in doing as much as you can. Thank you again for sharing your story, and uh, thank you, Mandy, for joining us today as well. Thank you to Malcolm, Mandy, and Megan for joining us. And Malcolm, we really appreciate you sharing your personal experiences of being a support partner to help others understand the challenges and benefits of prioritizing their well-being. This podcast is part of the Embracing Carers series, an initiative led by EMD Serono in collaboration with leading caregiver organizations around the world to increase awareness and action about the often overlooked needs of caregivers. Be sure to check out our Embracing Carers page on our website, cando-ms.org ec. Please tune in to our third podcast in the Embracing Carers series, covering the topic, Relationships and Planning for the Future, which will be available on our website and Apple Podcasts on October 31st. Thank you for joining us.